Greetings, everyone. This is a Sound Health radio show where we talk about the crossroads of the environment and our health with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And Sherry Edwards is still working on the SoundHealthPortal.com. Sherry will always be working on the Sound Health Portal because she just has that kind of mind. She thinks of something and then has to go like write a program to figure out how to do that. So you can learn more about the Sound Health Portal by going to SoundHealthPortal.com. I suggest going to the portal, scrolling down past all of these sign up and do this and do a campaign and run your voice and don't forget to you know submit your vocal print for COVID research and other kind of research, neuroplasticity, PTSD, all sorts of things. And scroll to the bottom and click on the demos tab. Find a subject that you're interested in. Watch Sherry do a live workup with somebody. That's what the demos are, recorded online with a volunteer who wants to find out about their neuroplasticity or PTSD or any of those things. And Sherry will take them all the way through doing a, an intake, which is speaking to the computer for about 30 seconds, taking that information. The software then breaks it down into bits and bytes that then in turn put that information into the charts that Sherry has developed of all the information broken down, let's say, running through the methylation cascade, which is a very complicated system, but it's what our human bodies do, which is amazing. We're complicated systems. And show you, she's come up with some pie charts recently, which I really like because I'm a very visual person, and you just look at the like, here's the thing you want to look at right now. Here's the thing that's most either possibly too low or too high because that's sort of how it all comes down to it. It's like, is it too much? Is it not enough? Is it out of balance? Is it in the system and it just isn't functioning correctly? And that could be part of the methylation cascade as things break down, and cortisol is right in there. And so you go watch that, see the demonstration. You'll have a much better idea of what can the kind of information that you can derive and the kind of like, oh, I need to know that. And then you can go back to the Sound Health Portal, scroll down to the campaigns, see one that you're interested in. Campaigns are free systems or software packages that you can have your vocal print run through and go through the process. The system will walk you through doing recording and sending your information and sit down and review the port, report with a cup of tea. Possibly take it to your healthcare practitioner if they're oriented toward other forms of information, not unlike our guest today other forms of information, which are really powerful, which are right, can be at our fingertips. That part is very exciting. To hear and share replays of the show, about 20 to 30 minutes after you hear the outro music, you can go to talktomeguy, all one word, dot com, scroll down that page, and you'll see the show. And there are about 400 hours of shows there now. And right at the bottom of the show notes, if you scroll down past the show notes, right at the very bottom of the show notes is a player, so you can listen to it right there, and it can be listened to in browsers or on computers or anything, and also there are links to other players. And also at the bottom right, on the bottom of the show notes, is a little microphone. And if you have any questions or you need help with you figuring out how to use a microphone or that kind of thing that I do, just leave me a message or say hi. Um, this is one of those shows where I think there may be questions because there's a lot of great information here. With that, 
Viva Wegemans is a CEO, serial entrepreneur, and pioneer in mobile and AI technology. He was the first in the world to build an AI bot and an online video game on mobile. His most recent company, Huge Games Inc., made its IPO in 2021 for $1.2 billion. Wegemans started his career at consumer giant Gillette, went on to become a product manager at Nokia, moved up to the regional board of directors, and eventually headed a $1 billion business. Since 2006, he's been running and advising startups in Silicon Valley, where he built such brands as Angry Birds and Big Fish. He's the founder of Pardem Inc., the world's first company to offer rapid saliva tests to measure cortisol within a few minutes. Even most clinicians have no idea about cortisol's correlations and causal effects. With a radically new way of measuring cortisol that provides a nuanced, real-time picture of what it's doing inside your body and mind, you can take control of your health. Viva joins us to talk about cortisol, the master hormone improving your health, weight, fertility, menopause, longevity, and reduced stress. Welcome, Viva. Thank you, and good morning. Good morning. Um, I only have about six hours worth of questions, so I will start here. Um, how did you go from angry birds to being not only fascinated, but developing this amazing product that will be available soon for cortisol measurement. How did that, what is the jump there? I know you're a visionary because you see the big picture, but how did that happen? I, uh, a family member uh, allowed me to uh, speak to the uh, uh, psychiatrist and uh, a simple question I couldn't get answered. And the simple question was, how do you measure stress? And he said, well, we asked the patient how they feel. And I said, well, you know, there has to be a quantitative way to do that. And he said, well, this is how we've been doing it for 150 years. <laughs> so I got a bit <laughs> frustrated. And uh, so I called up uh, a friend of mine who's an internist. And he said, well, we we use cortisol that's the gold standard and you know it as a stress hormone but that's only you know three percent of what cortisol does it it runs or uh, it sometimes runs really well but sometimes runs amok and then uh, destroys kind of your body and mind and i said so why why are you guys in the whole medical industry all the way from psychiatry to endocrinology to uh, I mean, you name it, pretty much any uh, cardiology, nephrology, why are you guys not measuring cortisol? And he said, uh, it's, it's almost impossible to measure. And why is that? So first of all, you have to send it to uh, a lab and that has to be measured. Uh, it's not like you can do uh, a, a home test, like a pregnancy or a COVID test with, with saliva. Uh, you can do it with saliva, which is the good news, but you still need to send it to a lab. And, um, and then I, uh, I started looking at these lab scanners that cost, you know, let's say $5,000 and it goes all the way up to a million dollars. We started looking at what is inside these, these scanners. And um, it's really just uh, some software, some hardware, some lighting. 
and we said, okay, can we replicate this? Um, I know a little bit about the hardware and the software of a mobile phone. So can we replicate this with the latest uh, sensors uh, that your, your camera has access to in your phone? And the, we, you know, after lots of, lots of testing, uh, we had our breakthrough last year. Uh, so we, uh, we are now able uh, to take uh, pretty much all uh, the constraints that was holding doctors uh, back and patients themselves as well from um, testing biomarkers like cortisol. Cortisol is the first, but you could do this for hundreds and hundreds of biomarkers. And what is one of the, so, so typically I was, uh, 10 years ago, I was, I had a bunch of surgeries. I had about 30 hours of surgeries and I was in a healthcare facility for a year and they came in once a week and took blood and the entire time my blood sugar was balanced, but it took days, days, (laughs) days to find that out. Whereas I was in a large facility with 250 beds. I bet that 80% of those people, maybe more, had imbalances of cortisol because the food was, I have a series of bad words, but I won't use them, bad, non-nutritive, high in refined carbohydrates, and the environment was stressful. And I bet if everybody's blood sugar and they knew it could be balanced out, that would have helped everybody so much. But instead, you get data that's like relevant now. And you have to wait three days to find that out. And by then, it could be a whole different game. How is that? This is not anywhere written down. This just comes into my mind. How is that possible that Western, classical Western medicine thinks that's good or doable or okay? Um, I, w- I would say the technology has moved on. You now have the mm-hmm. so-called CGMs, the continuous mm-hmm. glucose monitors, these, these microneedles right. that you stick on your upper arm. And they right. give you, uh, through your smartphone, give you uh, real-time access to your glucose levels, which is super helpful. Um, with with uh, you know, a biomarker like cortisol, it's a lot harder. Uh, so you, you cannot measure that through the skin. And believe me, they've tried. They literally mm-hmm. spent hundreds of millions over the years to get uh, cortisol measured through sweat, through ha- hair, um, you know, blood, urine. Um, and uh, they couldn't do it. So the... It's a, we have a method for cortisol, and uh, that's the reason why you said there's this is kind of this this weird uh, situation where when you're in a hospital bed nowadays you can measure cortisol because you need to measure it the first day five times to get a baseline. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is that uh, when you're in a hospital bed and you have access to the patient at the right time, for example, you need to measure it exactly at wake up time the first measurement. Otherwise, it's, you cannot just go in and at two in the afternoon and say, hey, uh, here's a patient. We'll just do it as part of the blood work. And we check cortisol as one of the markers. And now uh, we, we have one measurement. That's like me taking your heartbeat for one second and, and saying that you have a cardiovascular disease. So <laughs> the interesting thing is, even though we've known, we've known that cortisol is absolutely critical. It's the master hormone. Um, and we've known that because we've been, uh, have, you know, million, literally, if you go to a Google uh, a Scholar and you search for cortisol, there's over a million uh, scientific papers uh, in there. And uh, not, not all are based on humans, obviously, but still, um, it's, it's been known for decades. It's just that if you cannot measure 
yourself or, or yourself easily, at the, even at the clinic, um, you know, how can you deal with that in the daily life? So now, luckily, we've seen that shift with glucose, like you said, where from your situation where you had to wait for days for results. And, um, you know, same with cortisol. There's, there's good correlation right now that if you can um, monitor your cortisol levels and control them, uh, your uh, recuperation period, your recovery period in, in hospital after, let's say, a surgery is going to be much shorter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. We have to back up ever so slightly. That leads me to a whole other string of questions, but I want to back up to the, what is cortisol? Where is cortisol produced in the body? What is it? It is um, a hormone. A hormone is nothing else but a signaler. It sends a signal in your body, usually from the brain to an organ uh, to uh, produce something. And uh, in, this, uh, in this case, cortisol is being produced in the adrenal glands, which is sitting on top of your kidneys uh, in, the, in, in the lower back. And uh, it's not a, uh, like many organs, uh, this, this one is really, truly a window into the brain because there's a direct link. They call that the HBA axis, the uh, hypothalamus uh, pituitary, uh, and then it goes to the adrenals. Um, it's a direct line uh, to your brain health. So your brain basically tells uh, your pituitary, and your pituitary tells your adrenals, hey, it's time to produce some cortisol. And that is, uh, you know, back in the day, and this has been evolved over millions of years, uh, let's produce some cortisol because uh, we're in danger. Uh, a lot of stress, uh, very healthy because it makes you alert, blood pressure goes up, you're uh, going to have, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be in a much uh, better state because it's going to push glucose into the blood to, to help your muscles. And you are going to fight that uh, the saber-toothed tiger, for example. Now, after that stress moment, it comes down and cortisol might have saved you. Um, so it start, by the way, it starts with uh, what most, uh, most listeners probably know is it starts with uh, adrenaline and uh, epinephrine. Uh, so that's, uh, but that stays for a few minutes. And a cortisol usually stays, uh, stays in your blood for a, a couple of hours. So it's a much more important uh, hormone than, than uh, adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to jump over so slightly too. I, for years, lived with a, a dog. And occasionally the dog would go out, we'd go out for a walk and the dog would get into a tussle with another dog. Nothing horrible, but there would definitely be, you know, snarling teeth and everybody would be okay at the end. And then when when we'd get home, the dog would sit and shiver. And for a long time, I thought it was because the dog was, you know, processing out its fear. And in a certain way it was. I talked with a friend of mine who treated animals from a naturopathic approach. And she explained that dogs do that to shake off the excess adrenaline dump and the excess cortisol out of their system that they're actually shaking because they're that that adrenaline rush they're processing it out of their body and then that's why after they do that then they go into a deep sleep because they reset and recycle and they wake up and like i'm fine now uh once again i'm in the category of dogs are smarter than people we don't do that what happens when we get all adrenalized and not only do we get adrenalized well, in, in your world, in Silicon Valley, coders, there's a group that need cortisol measurement every day. I mean, it's just, it's a really stressful, active, not physically necessarily, hard 
thing to do, sitting and figuring out, you know, just all that stuff to make the thing, the page turn, whatever it is. And have that monitoring going on, how much could that improve their ability to focus? In other words, all those sort of factors. I know we're, I'm gonna, we're going to get into the health aspect, but I'm just thinking about in real time on a daily basis, if people knew their cortisol before they left in the morning to get into commute, wouldn't that benefit their ability to focus and get their job more effectively and be less crazed? I can't make that into I, I would a question. Say, yeah, in the, in the far future, I would say yes, but there's more urgent use cases than that where you can yeah. help people um, much, uh, yeah, pretty much straight away. Think of um, uh, if you are in uh, a depression uh, or let's say a burnout today, then you, you look it up in a medical encyclopedia and you'll find there's not even the, the, the physicians have uh, agreed on, on what, uh, what burnout means. Um, what we think we could do is by having more data points that we can actually um, not only show the gradations where, where you see, hey, I'm, I'm now at, let's say, a, a level, uh, level three instead of a level four. So it's, it's not just a, a thermometer. Um, because if you, if you measure your body temperature with a thermometer, that's it. The, that the thermometer is just, it's just, uh, uh, but the other thing is we know that you can function better. So actually, actually driving down that, uh, and then most of, most of the time is driving down in the case of burnout. Sometimes it goes as far that your cortisol, actually your brain basically says, look, we've done too much damage with uh, overproducing cortisol for weeks and months on end. And we see that with severe burnout cases, PTSD. Um, now you see it even with uh, long COVID. Um, and that has, that has also been identified as a, uh, potentially, I have to say, because the, the study still need, uh, requires peer review. But it was such a big break that they showed that long COVID, the only biomarker for long COVID um, uh, is cortisol. That just came out of uh, the immunology group wow. at, uh, at Yale uh, in August. And... Is one of the potentials of, of issues of having chronic, like let's say in burnout, you've probably gone through a phase of being just stressed, 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 and your body's pumping out cortisol as fast as it can. And then at some point when we have elevated levels for long periods of time, is that when cortisol becomes a catabolic hormone, meaning that it's actually going to be somewhat destructive to the system in the long term? It's destructive, from, it's destructive immediately. So. Okay. Okay. No, this this doesn't take long. Uh, you, it's it is uh, a catabolic hormone to to begin with, uh, which means it's uh, it's it doesn't build things up. It destroy it destroys. Um, what happens is immediately when your cortisol goes up, and it could be what, like you said, it could be when you when you go to work, it could be when you're exercising, and it's very normal to have your cortisol go up. Already at that moment, it will prioritize whatever you're doing at that moment over your uh, metabolism over your uh, sex organs over your uh, when if you're fighting an autoimmune disease so it, it immediately has an effect on all these processes in your body from from the from the get-go now like like we discussed if your cortisol goes back to normal uh, like it did with with your dog and by the way the half-life uh, half-time value of, of cortisol for for mammals is about 66 minutes so if you manage it properly and you have a peak and you have a fight, for example, then it should go down uh, pretty quickly. But yeah, um, we, um, I would, from the, the estimates we've heard, 
about 70, 80% uh, of adults in the US are suffering from elevated cortisol levels over time. And that um, shows itself in, in sometimes uh, very physical ways uh, where you're much more prone to uh, weight gain and, and not, getting a, not being able to get rid of it uh, because you can diet all you want. The moment you have a cortisol problem, you will not lose weight uh, uh, long term. It's physiologically impossible. Um, but the other, the other one is, is uh, athletic recovery. We, I've, I mean, uh, we've tested uh, Olympic athletes ourselves, and if, you, if the cortisol levels stay elevated, we really need to uh, tell them that you, they need to recover. And it could be um, a physical recovery. Hey, your, your uh, muscles uh, have inflammation, and they should, right? That's why, why, they train, why professional athletes train every day. But let's not forget the mental aspect. And we've seen that last year, uh, Naomi uh, uh, Osaka took a couple of months off last year, and she mentioned mental health. Uh, we had Naomi, sorry, we had Simone Biles at the Olympics with what in, in gymnastics they call the twisties. And we asked our, our, um, our panel of, uh, on our scientific advisory board, and we said, what's going on, uh, you know, even though you haven't uh, diagnosed uh, these individuals? And they said, I mean, it's absolutely more likely than not that they are suffering from uh, from unbalanced, imbalanced cortisol. Is there a correlation or a relationship between inflammation and cortisol? Has that been researched or observed? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, okay. it's the uh, first of all, it's uh, uh, both uh, the cause and the effect. Uh, so mm -hmm. the uh, that's why. You know, in, in severe inflammation cases, we actually use. So it's kind of funny because we, you've you probably heard of a cortisone shot, or, mm -hmm. or putting on if you have uh, eczema, you put some uh, uh, corticosteroid uh, uh, cream. That, mm -hmm. That's 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 cortisol. The same with your, let's say you have uh, problems in your knee, you get cortisol uh, injected. So cortisol yeah. is the only. Um, uh, the only element in our body that fights, um, uh, for example, autoimmune diseases. And uh, the, uh, so it, it goes uh, to work for, for, for inflammation, uh, muscle tissue, uh, you name it. Uh, probably there's some links with uh, uh, even uh, some destructive uh, processes in, in our brains. The, um, uh, but the, the, the interesting one is uh, it also goes up, right? So if we get, say, let's uh, attack by a virus, uh, then uh, as a result, your cortisol levels go up. So it's both the cause and effect. And our brain, I have to think about this for a second. Our brain really doesn't know the difference between being attacked by the, the classic is the saber-toothed tiger. Although I like dinosaurs because that's way back. Um, doesn't really know the difference in terms of how it reacts between being attacked by a possible tiger and being attacked by a virus in terms of it, it pumps out cortisol for either event. Is that accurate? That's 100% that's accurate. It even goes as far that if you uh, uh, go into a rage on, uh, on social media, which lots of people do these days, that's, that's cortisol. So uh, that you, it's, it's these perceived threats, exactly like you said, it's these perceived uh, uh, threats as well. And that could be on social media where you're getting hammered or, or you're getting... Um, anyway, so we, the... The problem, whatever the cause is, the problem is that the cortisol stays elevated for way too long, and we don't know how to deal with that. And we get stuck in this, in this uh, vicious uh, circle 
where um, you know all these these symptoms uh, get worse. Whether it's um, uh, you know one of the things we found by uh, for our book, we uh, we interviewed uh, uh, you know heaps of professors, and they are the top of the world in their field. And it turns out that as a result of all that, um, women can't get pregnant. And you know that we thought, hey, there, there might be a, co- a connection with uh, with cortisol and infertility. Uh, so we, and, and same with menopause, by the way. Um, but it turned out to be much, much worse than we thought. So not only uh, did uh, the last two years, did we um, un- start understanding uh, of how cortisol works and how, uh, how we can solve the, the home testing problem, but what actually happened during that process when we were reading uh, our, you know, these thousands of scientific papers and interviewing these professors, what happened was we uncovered this big jigsaw puzzle where all these experts knew that there was something extreme going on with cortisol in their field. Mm-hmm. But when we started connecting the dots, it turned out absolutely uh, uh, mind-boggling. Uh, we spoke to some of the most uh, uh, well-renowned psychologists in the world, and we told them about uh, infertility and cortisol, and they didn't know. Um, even though with your mindset, you can actually um, control your cortisol levels to a certain extent. Um, the, the infertility story is, is actually an interesting one. We, uh, we got introduced to uh, the professors at the OBGYN uh, department at Stanford, and uh, they said, well, we, we know a little about uh, cortisol, but really what we're focusing on is uh, Addison disease and, and Cushing syndrome, which are extreme cases. You're, you're talking about you know, thousands rather than millions or, or hundreds of millions, right? And that's not, you know, we, we, we can certainly help these, these people in the far future, but uh, our, our immediate, um, you know, uh, support can be given to a large audience, uh, which is not the, in the disease category. Um, the, it doesn't mean that we discount these diseases, obviously, but there's, there's more uh, immediate problems that we can solve easy, more easily. And they said, um, but we don't really know um, the, the literature on what cortisol does uh, to infertility. And I'm like, that's, that's kind of weird, right? Um, because, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, and uh, wow. the, but, you know, when you've gone to medical school 30 years ago and you're, you're seeing patients every day, you have to teach, there's not much else to go outside and go to endocrinology, for example, and then start reading uh, papers there. But what they did do was very generous, um, and they made an introduction to uh, Professor Sarah Berger. And uh, we got there on the phone uh, earlier this year, and first thing she said, how did you find me? And, and then she started explaining, cortisol is my life's work. And I, I, um, I basically showed the causal effect all the way from the brains to the uh, the what they call the uh, uh, HPG axis. So it means you go for, from the brain to the pituitary to, in, in the case of women, you go to the ovaries. And the signaling, she showed uh, exactly what cortisol does there and what it does not do. Uh, causal effect bidirectionally. And, um, and then she said, did you know that one of my papers, I proved that 20% uh, increase in cortisol in the morning and uh, women stop ovulating. And we <laughs> fell off our chairs when we heard that. Wow. 
as, and we said, you know, this should be front page New York Times news. Like all these millions of women that are desperate and you know, after six months of trying, they, they take all kinds of pills and bypass the, 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 the HPA axis and, and, you know, take pills to, to force a follicle to be released, which is not extremely healthy, but that, you know, they're so desperate that they're willing to go there to, to get pregnant. Um, and instead, you know, l- listening to what she was saying, it makes all the sense in the world to at least, you know, the first few months to try to lower your cortisol and see if that, if that to validate whether that's the problem or not, right? And the, uh, uh, so he asked, we asked her, we said, how is it possible that, uh, you know, this is an amazing finding and there's lots more, by the way. Uh, but he, uh, and yeah, it, it's kind of, it comes to the point that uh, those are scientists. They, they see patients, um, but they don't have time to, to pitch uh, a finding like this to the, uh, to the New York Times. Uh, they don't have, you know, they speak on endocrinology uh, conferences and they might sometimes run into uh, a colleague in the OBGYN department, but it's, it's not that widespread. So it usually takes, and we've seen that with other, uh, other things happening in the medical world, it sometimes takes a generation to cycle through. Well, it's a lot, to me, it's a, as we were talking backstage, I've done more than 10 years of shows now, which shocks me as I say that out loud, that it's the back to the this community the the sound health options world sound health portal is about self-care not meaning we're anti-western medicine but we're pro helping take care of yourself and and what you're doing with having the capacity for us down the road to have the capacity to do our own testing on cortisol and monitoring it just seems like such a breakthrough and why did it take so long I'm not, this is more of a statement than it is a question because it's just, it blows my mind. It's along the same things of like all the doctors that I have talked to. It amazes me how like very few doctors these days ask, what's your diet like? What are you eating? Did you have sugary cereal for breakfast? Are you on your third Red Bull? Um, how many Twix have you had today? That's like an old coder thing. Um, so it amazes me. This seems in the same category of like, I would call it duh in the sense of, as you say it, it makes so much sense. It blows my mind that it's taken somebody so long to not only correlate it, but also somebody with your brilliance and drive and big picture vision to say, look, we have this technology. Let's use it. It's called a cell phone. Let's, let's do this. And this could be life-changing. I don't have a question. Oh, there. it's absolutely, it's absolutely life changing. <laughs> no, I mean we haven't even gotten started. Uh, just let me let me go through a couple of symptoms yeah, out there. Uh, PTSD, um, menopausal symptoms. It could very well be that if you uh, control your cortisol levels, that you can uh, have much more smooth sailing through menopause, which every you know one in fifty percent of the population in the world goes through. Um, weight, uh, weight gain. Um, you know, you, you mentioned nutrition. Uh, we usually say uh, uh, eat less and, uh, and exercise more. Uh, that couldn't be wrong. That couldn't be more wrong. And we've only learned that in the last few years. Uh, it's it's a uh, it's a hormone signaling problem. It's a neurotransmitter problem. It's not a calorie in calorie out problem. It's not an exercise more. In fact, there's very little research that shows that uh, exercise uh, makes you lose weight. Usually, you you end up more hungry. Um, the the thing with cortisol on on weight is. Just to give you another striking example when we started talking to the experts, 
we we asked uh, one uh, one scientist. We said, well, you know, diabetes too. That's a lot of people are on the road, right, to diabetes too, and um, the it comes with with this enormous amount of uh, of other problems down the road. And we said, you know, is it the right assumption that insulin is the proper biomarker for uh, diabetes too? And uh, and and uh, if that's the case, would would you agree that uh, cortisol is the number two biomarker? And they said, actually, I disagree with you. I think cortisol should be at least on the same level as insulin. And again, we fell off our chairs because you you speak to anybody uh, who is in the uh, weight loss or uh, diabetes uh, uh, category, whether nutritionists, you talk to uh, doctors, uh, uh, and it, this again, this is a mental disease as well, right? Because we're all getting addicted to glucose, and that's an addiction for life. And they they don't know this. They do not know that cortisol is wreaking havoc on uh, the, uh, the the weight, and uh, eventually, uh, you know, full uh, full blown uh, diabetes too. And that is that is uh, critical because, as I mentioned, you you end up in this uh, this vicious uh, cycle. Uh, if I may color that a little bit, because it's such a big problem, uh, there is a, an enzyme that actually uh, uh, starts uh, to store elevated cortisol levels uh, in your fat cells, specifically mm-hmm. around your organs. They call that the uh, the adipose visceral uh, fat tissue, and what that enzyme uh, eleven uh, beta HSD2, what that does is it stores the cortisol as cortisone. And you would say, that's good. It takes it out of the blood. Well, that's great. Um, But when you're in stress or when you're, let's say, you're not eating for a few hours, what that does, your blood sugar drops or you're stressed and it becomes its own gland. These fat cells become their own gland and they start Mm. pushing out through the liver. They start pushing out that cortisone as cortisol in, in the blood and, and raise your, your, uh, your sugar, which increases your insulin. And you haven't eaten anything. And, and mo- most, most people don't know that, that this is, this is absolutely uh, wreaking havoc in our bodies, um, even when we're trying to fast or if we're on a, on a diet or you name it, because diets are, are very stressful for our bodies, right? Mm-hmm. So that is, uh, those types of things, uh, it's, so it's hard to imagine that, uh, yeah, there are probably people that have uh, healthy cortisol levels, uh, but I would, from talking to all these experts, uh, it's more, more likely than not that uh, you also, uh, even if you're a healthy individual, that you're experiencing some negative, ne- negative effect of uh, cortisol in your body or mind. Well, and or we get into um, <laughs> social media. I'll just I'll just use that. I won't use anybody's name, but there's some me- mess happening in social media currently. Well, it's always happening, but now it just seems like the dumpster fire has been lit. And just that, that's a part I, I have many friends around me, and I'm in the tech world and the side that I produce shows for other people. I do radio of my own. So I'm in a lot of tech, but I'm not on social media all the time. I know people who really have that thing where they're on social media all the time because they feel that sense of urgency. And I bet their body is going, Oh my God, urgency, more cortisol stat. And they get, and they're actually fatigued at the end of the day from being on social media so much and being so cortisol, cortisol, I can't say that too much cortisol 
from being just like angered and responding and getting into fights and all that kind of stuff, and our bodies are inappropriately getting stimulated, I think we're better off fighting off dinosaurs and saber-toothed tigers because that's a thing. And then there's a resolution at the end. The social media is just this endless, can be an endless tirade of overstimulation. And it just seems, you know, like right there, I'd love to have people, you know, as soon as the Pardim devices and sticks are out, I want them to like test before, take an hour off, maybe meditate. Has I, I think somewhere in, in all the reading and research I did on, on you and this field, somebody did some research looking at meditation, I think, or, or the ability, you, you mentioned it before, somebody, the ability to use your mind to actually probably people would call it meditate or be calm or enhance your calm to lower or help balance out your cortisol levels. Have, is there research in there about that? Yeah, that's another breakthrough, breakthrough story. Uh, we dedicated the whole chapter to that uh, mindset in our, uh, in our book. Um, and, and before I go in there, just wanted to, you, you mentioned social media. Um, the two, two, two short comments on that. One is uh, it's not just cortisol. There's uh, an important hormone that gets in, uh, not an hormone, sorry, a neurotransmitter, uh, dopamine gets involved there. And uh, very, uh, the second comment is the, uh, uh, the, the, we haven't even seen the beginnings of the effect on uh, our youth uh, because they uh, are now growing up. Um, and, and, you know, TikTok is a great example. I heard that the Chinese are even banning the TikTok that we're using until 14 years old. And we are mm. basically exposing our kids under 14 to an adult TikTok version with, with absolutely uh, vicious effects. And, and on, on their, uh, yeah, the dopamine receptors, but on, the, uh, on lots of other processes that we don't even know of. Um, but let's go, let's go to a more positive story, which is the, uh, the breakthrough research of... Uh, a professor called uh, uh, it's uh, at the uh, University uh, of Stanford and uh, she uh, she did her uh, her research uh, and the what she what she found is that you uh, can control your cortisol levels so this this goes way beyond um, simple meditation and I'm not discounting meditation at all in fact I, I uh, encourage people to meditate to uh, to balance their cortisol levels, uh, and and there's lots of other uh, good benefits uh, from that. Um, but what Professor Alia Crum at Stanford discovered was that when you embrace stress, that you know this was invented by evolution to to uh, protect you to survive. If you embrace it as a positive effect. Um, you will see that your hormone levels changed because of your thought process. Now, we've been talking, first of all, she, her work, we started with the placebo effect, but this goes beyond the placebo effect. And uh, this has been talked about forever, but she, uh, she quantified that effect. And similarly, there's a very, um, the, uh, it's worthwhile looking, looking uh, her up. Um, she did a, study uh she's done lots of studies on, on cortisol but also a very interesting study on the hormone called ghrelin which uh, mm-hmm. um which increases your your appetite and she gave two uh, two groups uh in experiments she gave two groups uh, a bucket of ice cream and the content of that bucket was the exact same ice cream 
but the labels were different. One said it was super saturated fat, uh, you know, sugar. And the other one was kind of, Hey, this is your whatever, zero fats, uh, keto, uh, very healthy. And, um, the, you would expect that the ghrelin, which is released in your stomach, um, the response to that same ice cream in the same quantity would be the same because it, you know, we'd see that as a, as a physiological process. And it turns out that, that the brain uh, of the, the, the folks that ate the ice cream with the label that said this is uh, uh, super healthy, this, uh, they, they didn't feel they were saturated. Hmm. And they, their ghrelin levels went up uh, after you know, 20, 30 minutes uh, to, uh, to basically override the, uh, the response on the actual uh, you know, ingredients in the ice cream. So it's fascinating work. Wow. I want to I want to toss something back. This just it rolled in while, after you were talking about TikTok or social media. That it seems to me that it creates a false state of hyper alertness, and that is back to when we were in caves, trying not to get eaten by the dinosaur or the cyber tooth tiger. We were in a hyper state state of hyper alertness because we were going to die, or could die, or be crushed by a rock. I don't know something. And with the state of the, and I'm not, I could pick on TikTok, but I'll just, any of those social medias where people are on it, it seems that it does create some sort of state of hyper alertness that the body is responding to more than likely as like, oh, wow, ooh, hyper alert. I better be, you know, nervous and be ready to go. And it's just social media. It's solved by putting the phone face down on the desk or turning it off. And it just seems like in the long term, it's going to be deleterious to the system. And back with, as you said, that with dopamine, man, that's a gnarly combination. I know that's not a scientific word, but that's my word. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it goes beyond, way beyond the alertness. And yeah. uh, there's nothing wrong in principle with being alert. Um, and, and the great example, I think it was from uh, uh, Sapolsky, Robert Sapolsky, another professor at Stanford. He wrote a book, it uh, was called uh, Why Zebras Don't Have Ulcers, and which was about cortisol. And uh, he, this is from the 90s. Uh, fantastic uh, work. And he also showed the effect on, uh, on monkeys that he was studying in the field. And the example I, I remember he was giving was that if, if um, a zebra, let's say a herd of zebras, is uh, because they, they have lions and other predators walking around, you know, 24 seven, mm-hmm. if their cortisol would go up and, and would stay elevated 24 seven, they wouldn't be able to eat, they wouldn't be able to uh, metabolize, mm-hmm. right, because it would stop everything else in their bodies. So the so alertness is just the, is, is there's nothing wrong in that sense. Yeah, they make sure that the lion stays at the di- at the distance. But they go on with, uh, with their, their job, which is eating, eating grass, um, while being alert. There's really what we are in, like, like you said, with, with, dop- with dopamine, with adrenaline, with uh, cortisol as the master hormone. We're in the state right now. It's, it goes way beyond alertness. It goes into uh, this perceived uh, threat. And, and that stays, uh, stays elevated. Um, I mean, I found it fascinating when I learned about the, uh, the, the COVID, right? That mm-hmm. uh, we, we now, um, and it might, you know, it does not, it's not a surprise if you look at it in hindsight that uh, long COVID is being uh, diagnosed with, uh, with cortisol because the, the symptoms are very much overlapping 
with uh, these these other uh, low cortisol uh, uh, diseases or, or uh, symptoms like, like burnout that we discussed, like PTSD. I have to jump because I noticed this earlier uh, when I was back when I was doing research that you had posted an article, which I'll put this in the show notes. On Veterans Day, you produced you published an article on LinkedIn talking about can cortisol monitoring help turn around PTSD, and it was particularly directed toward veterans. And having gone to college with boatloads of Vietnam vets, and then years later going to events like the Cannabis Cup in Northern California, which was in the old days the big cannabis sort of party event, now is a thing. I would go to the lectures with talking about cannabis. And this is before it was back in when it was hard to get a medical license even, let alone having dispensaries. And the, the veterans were all very, particularly the Vietnam vets, were all very, they're like crusty pirates. They, they swear a blue streak and they were pissed off about not being able to monitor, take care of themselves because they had learned to treat themselves from their PTSD using cannabis. They weren't stoners. They were people who had had stunning trauma in their lives, and they found that the cannabis took the edge way off. And I just can't imagine how if they, had, if they knew, if you were speaking at the cannabis cup, at the Emerald Cup, talking about cortisol, to have them be tested there in real time and have a test and go, oh, I didn't know, and begin to develop adjusting their cortisol levels, that would be mind-blowingly beneficial. I just think it was a, a great article, and kudos for talking about veterans. And I think it's it's an area that's under undertreated. PTSD, war veterans, war is bad, and the result that it does to them is mind blowing. Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's that's too. And and let me let me start by saying that way more research is needed. However, uh-huh. it, it's very clear that there is a correlation with uh, uh, with cortisol. And I'd say two things off the bat that you can really influence with cortisol. Number one, an earlier detection. Right now, if you go to a psychiatrist, uh, when you come back from a mission, for example, I think it's the absolute minimum that you have to experience symptoms for like a month. I mean, you know what, what can happen in a month, right? Uh, we, yeah. we, we nowadays, if, if somebody, and this is obviously a completely different case, but just to, uh, as an example, if you, uh, you know, have a risk of a concussion on a football field, they'll do a test right there, right then. And uh, they're not going to let you play out. Why would we let, if, if there's something uh, life-threatening, perceived or real happening in the field, and then it doesn't even have to be the soldier, right? It could be the caretaker of the soldier, or it could be the spouse of the soldier that experiences PTSD. Uh, that's how, how, how far it goes. And why would we let these, these uh, folks uh, stay out there for another month before they get diagnosed? So I think there's there's a lot of uh, scientific evidence out there that uh, shows that cortisol show, can can show gradations. It, it's it's obviously that it's obvious that your cortisol will be elevated, right? And and will probably stay elevated. And not all these people are going to have PTSD. But when we get more data, I would not be surprised if we can uh, look like we do with depression, which is a different uh, different uh, uh, disorder. But uh, you, there's a lot of overlap, right, between depression and sleep problems and PTSD. And there is a lot of evidence now on the, 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 that the levels of cortisol correlate with the levels of depression. I would not be surprised if, especially in these early weeks, that we will be able to see uh, uh, correlations there as well. And, and 
potentially intervene uh, much faster. Uh, other than that, if if you're already in full-blown uh, PTSD, um, you know that that's uh, a, a lot harder, right, to to uh, uh, to to treat. But even there, I think there's a role for cortisol measurement because now it's not just hey, I feel like this and that, and which we're not discounting, uh, you know, qualitative answers and questionnaires and so forth, especially you know when it, when it's done by a by a qualified physician. But if you can complement that that questionnaire, for example, with an actual measurement, and say, hey, last month uh, this was my uh, my cortisol uh, score. Now I'm I'm here. I I can uh, see progress from a from that perspective. And uh, so those I'd, I would say are the two avenues that cortisol measurement can help uh, PTSD early stage and also for for later stage. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump because. This could be a two-hour show if we just keep going with that. I want to jump to Chapter 7 of Cortisol, the Master Hormone, where you talk about gut health and stress. I, I don't think that people make any connection between cortisol levels and it having influence on the gut, and particularly since in the past few years the, the gut is now considered the you know other other brain. And I'm not sure if the gut actually isn't the primary brain of the brain on top is just sort of a dumb management system, but that's just my opinion, that cortisol really can have a big effect on gut health, which is the foundation of everything else that comes out of our, you know, manages our bodies. Without good gut health, we can't have good hormone balance. Is that, talk about chapter seven, please. Yeah, this is fascinating. And this is really the field where, where uh, Ivana Bina, uh, uh, she is a, a doctor with her own practice and co- uh, co-author of our, our book. Uh, this is uh, she's she's uh, yeah well class in in her expertise in this area, and uh, it all comes. I mean, not all, but there's lots of uh, ways that cortisol affects your your, your gut. Uh, but one of the ways is is inflammation, and um, the uh, we know that eating. Uh, Food that uh, you know inflames the gut is not helpful, but the uh, it, it goes way further. You uh, you can have uh, uh, your you, you, cortisol, as we discussed earlier, when uh, you have a, a cortisone injection. Similarly, here your cortis your cortisol will start to uh, fight uh, an inflammation, um, which could be in in your gut, right? Because it's all about the, the healthy balance of bacteria there. Um, so there's there's a huge impact, but if if uh, it uh, again goes out of hand, your uh, cortisol has to fight and uh, and has to uh, uh, with with your immune system and the gut being a big part of your immune system, that is uh, is going to have an effect on you know how likely you you'll get uh, infected for example by uh, by pathogens. Well, and it's back to the so we take in nutrition theoretically and pass it through our digestive system and everything has to be broken down through the liver and then everything gets broken down into the, then it goes through the kidneys and it exits. I've always thought there was a relationship between the, the adrenals and the kidneys because the kidneys, the adrenals actually are suprarenal, meaning they sit physically on the kidneys. So I felt that there was always some kind of sympathetic relationship there that as things are passing through, they could bump into those adrenals and cause all sorts of odd things. The bottom line being gut health. 
we need to have a healthy gut. So again, if we can use cortisol as a biomarker to help sort of follow that, that seems tremendously beneficial. Again, I don't have a question there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it stops, and it stops. I mean, it stops the metabolism, right? If if yeah. your cortisol is elevated, your body is going to divert its its energy and focus to uh, the the perceived or the real threat. It, it's yeah. not going to start working on on digesting your food uh, or your your sex organ organs. Or I mean, we've seen in in uh, uh, both male and female, you know, testosterone drops off with cortisol elevated. Uh, same with, with women, progesterone, estrogen, uh, DHEA, all these hormones will drop off and, and will be severely affected by cortisol because cortisol really sits higher up in that, uh, in that cascade. Uh, even thyroid, um, all these, uh, and thyroid has a major impact on your metabolism. Uh, guess what? <laughs> it will be inhibited by, by cortisol. Cortisol, who knew? I mean, you obviously had to figure this out, but it's, I mean, cortisol, it makes so much sense as you see it, as you say it, but even in the, in the area of, I want us also to talk about sleep, because that's one thing that I think a lot of people have issues with is having, going to bed and sleeping versus going to bed and waking up and, you know, too much thinking. I have that condition, too much thinking. But talk about sleep and cortisol levels. I look forward to this. I can't wait until this device is out because I like to monitor myself <laughs> in the middle of the night sleeping. Cortisol um, levels and well, sleep. First, let, let's, uh, first of all, it's, it's great that we now have these sleep trackers in our watches yeah. in, in our, you know, uh, and, and our phones and, and you name it. Um, that is great. But what we don't realize is there's this big, <laughs> this, this big uh, hormone that's driving all of this. And if that's out of balance, uh, you can measure whatever you want in your sleep or even take uh, melatonin pills. It's not going to help you. And that is what cortisol does. Cortisol wakes you up in the morning. Cortisol pushes glucose into your blood the moment you wake up, which is why it's so important to measure cortisol when you wake up and 30 minutes later. They call that the CAR, the cortisol awakening response. It's absolutely critical to, to that. Will, and probably, according to some professors, uh, measuring that will be as prevalent as COVID testing was uh, a year ago. So it could be you know, millions and millions of people measuring that, like you just mentioned. Now, why is cortisol so fascinating in sleep? Because it sets the whole circadian rhythm the moment you wake up. So it, it kind of, if you have the, the wrong setup in the morning and the, the, the wrong balance, then you will pay the price later in the day. Uh, and one example is, and I'm not, I'm not saying people should, uh, uh, should change their behavior right away, but if you do have severe cortisol problems, um, drinking a cup of coffee during the first 30, 60 minutes of the day might not be helpful if your cortisol is already elevated. Now, we're not saying that you, know, you cannot get away with a few vices and probably this one as well. But if you, if you start adding up all these vices, uh, like 20 or 30, then you're not going to control your cortisol level. Um, another one is, uh, so breakfast. Uh, sounds that it doesn't have much to do with, uh, uh, with, with sleep, but uh, guess what? You, uh, because it's, uh, it's, it sets the day and your cortisol is elevated, your cortisol together with insulin has to uh, get rid of that breakfast. And cortisol uh, is, uh, so cortisol is your natural breakfast. 
Uh, I wouldn't recommend skipping breakfast for folks that have uh, serious uh, cortisol issues already because it's an additional stressor. But if you're balanced cortisol or, or um, have mild cortisol issues, um, test, test skipping breakfast because you don't need it. Um, you, and you will help your body uh, not only with insulin uh, uh, sensitivity, uh, but also with your, your, uh, uh, your circadian rhythm and, and getting a, a better night's sleep. Because we, we know that we are getting uh, enough food uh, and uh, uh, the same with snacking, uh, especially in the evening. Uh, so there's more and more research coming out now that, that you really want your – one of the most important things is to get your cortisol uh, levels down uh, in, the, in the evening. And that this, this decides a lot of your, your sleep uh, quality and, and quantity. And what happens when uh, people have a glass of wine or a glass of, uh, you know, I don't know, tequila or, you know, some kind of liquor in the evenings? Does that mess with the cortisol cycle as you head toward the sleep zone in the later evening? Probably, it probably will, but the, effect, the other effects are much bigger than the cortisol effect. I would point okay. to, especially with alcohol, the, 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 uh, the effect on the liver, uh, the, especially the effect on insulin, uh, mm-hmm. that, yeah, that is, uh, uh, is not, it's not helpful, uh, as we know, uh, for sleep. But I, I, I would say there's other processes that uh, are, are more important than, uh, than cortisol uh, for that. Right. Um, we're nearing the end, but I want to, I want to, we can go over. I want you to talk about the launch of Paradigm and the app and the up and coming saliva strips and talk about where people can go to sign up to have more information about that. Because I think this is, I mean, we can do a whole other show and next up will be the exciting launch when the app and the saliva strips are out. I can't wait. So talk about that. Would you please? Yes. Uh, so we have a wait list and the plan is to go out with uh, a product uh, to be ordered on, on the website. It's uh, pardigm.com, P-A-R-D-I-G-M.com. Um, the, what happens is you uh, just to describe uh, why this, uh, this is important because uh, people might not care too much about the technology. Um, but if you, uh, as mentioned, if you go to a doctor's office, you get a one-off measurement uh, that is not helpful, and you have to wait. So this test, you, it looks like a, like a strip, um, like a COVID test or a pregnancy test with two lines. And the, diff- the reason why you need to send this to a lab is with a pregnancy test, it's binary. You're either pregnant or you're not. The, the, these tests have to be sent because you need an exact measurement. I need to say, hey, this is 8.7 nanograms. To get that, the, we look at the line intensity. So you take a picture with your phone of that line, and uh, we had that breakthrough that we can uh, give you uh, lab-level uh, uh, accuracy in reading uh, those tests so that you can skip the lab, which is, is massive, right? Not just in um, uh, time, but also in, uh, uh, in, in all the impact uh, on – because a lot of – cost, for example. The – once you have your score, uh, we do five measurements on day one. Your score uh, will then fit into eight categories. You could be totally balanced. You could have an evening spike. Uh, that We see that a lot with the stewardesses, pilots, uh, nurses on the night shift. Uh, that is harder, right? To, uh, if, if, you, uh, if your job uh, tells you, hey, you need to uh, 
uh, you need to mess up your circadian rhythm uh, as a default, that's a lot harder. But so they, these patterns need to be identified because each pattern has a different uh, way of uh, of uh, treating it. Or, or uh, and one is uh, where you uh, you look at uh, the uh, degree of let's say like you said sleep problems and you can balance that with uh, so we do that with four modalities one is uh, the mindset training that we mentioned based on the work of uh, of uh, professor crumb at stanford the next one is nutrition and this goes way beyond the nutrition of uh, the let's say let's say a keto diet because uh, cortisol has has such an impact on uh, on, on the nutrition and also on, on weight, as we discussed. The third one is exercise. So what time of day do you exercise? So do, what, uh, are, you, are you doing high-intensity uh, cardio? Or, uh, so those questions can be answered based on, the, on your uh, cortisol levels. And we, this, goes as, uh, you know, this goes pretty far. We do that even with Olympic athletes um, by looking at their cortisol levels. And uh, it's probably the best biomarker for them for training uh, readiness. Uh, better than uh, uh, resting heart rate or HRV or VO2 max, FTP, you name it. And uh, last but not least, uh, sleep. And, and in that category, we always also have, like you mentioned, meditation, breathing exercises, uh, we call hormetic stress, could be cold shower or, or uh, a sauna, sauna exposure uh, helps, uh, helps a lot as well. So what these hormetic stressors do, they increase your cortisol. But eventually, your cortisol comes down uh, lower. Uh, so that is the beneficial part of what we call hormetic uh, stressors. And we didn't really talk about uh, libido. And the reason that I'm, I'm throwing it into the conversation is because I'm a big fan of biomarkers in general, the use of biomarkers of kinds. And definitely cortisol is to be the king of one of the biomarkers that I've done a lot of interviews with a, a woman who's an expert in, in sex, but it's not just sex. It's about being healthy. It's really about healthy leads to a, having a, a good, strong biomarker of libido. And do you think, is it, have you bumped into research of people looking at the relationship between erectile dysfunction or other libido-related conditions that cortisol monitoring can have a positive benefit of knowledge for yeah there's sense? there's thousands of papers okay okay um, you 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 look at um i mean we know that um uh, for example if you if you uh uh start to have, have women or uh men who have uh, uh libido problems you you uh, usually uh looking at testosterone um mm -hmm. but what is driving that testosterone level down? What, it could be, um, uh, we know insulin is a big factor, uh, right? So your, your arteries are clogging up. That's not, uh, that's uh -huh. not helpful. Um, but why are the arteries clogging up? We know it has to do with nutrition. Uh, that, hence why the, the sensitivity of insulin goes down and, and starts clogging up the arteries. And, um, but the, so that's one a major uh, uh, driver. Uh, but let's not forget that there's a lot of evidence that cortisol, um, as, as we discussed, not just uh, uh, estrogen and progesterone, but um, is driving down uh, testosterone levels. In fact, 
there is a, a, a ratio, the TC ratio, testosterone over cortisol. And what usually happens if your cortisol is elevated, uh, uh, it's not just that your, your, uh, your testosterone stays steady. No, it goes down. Uh, so the, uh, yeah, this is, this is not helpful, uh, as you can imagine, whether it's for athletes or, or uh, men or women in, in their you know, late 70s or 80s uh, to uh, have a healthy uh, libido. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. I think we have to <laughs> stop. There's so many other questions. It's such an amazing, as I read the book and I did research and I listened to videos and I, I read all sorts of information, I had always been a very aware of cortisol, but just the key part that you put it into, it is really a biomarker and it could be an ultimate biomarker in the, for me in the sense of you can have great benefit from, as you say, the Professor Crumb's research on mindset that opens a whole community of people that I've talked to about mindset and breathing and breath exercises and producing nitrogen dioxide and all that. But they could also be using cortisol measurement as a monitoring as you're learning to do that. Like, oh, look, my cortisol levels are, are down or more balanced, or I'm not sure what the exact word is, but it fits into that community of people who breathe or meditate or yoga or a lot of that being able to see, oh, I'm, I'm seeing amazing benefits in my blood sugar levels. It's, it's a phenomenal tool. Yeah. And, and one, uh, one element we haven't uh, covered yet, but it's slightly overlapping with uh, meditation because you, you really see um, a lot of uh, women in, the, in their 40s, 50s, 60s in particular, I think more so than men, uh, being uh, mindful about meditation. And one of the reasons is, is longevity, right? We all want to live longer and, and feel, feel useful. And it turns out that uh, uh, there's a professor at UCSF, uh, Elizabeth Blackburn. Uh, she won a Nobel in 2009 uh, for identifying the, uh, the process of the shortening of the, the telomeres, the edges mm-hmm. of the DNA strings. Mm-hmm. And um, if you look her up and her research over the last decade, uh, including uh, uh, some TED Talks, um, guess what she's talking about? <laughs> cortisol. <Must be> cortisol. <laughs> and the reason <laughs> is, it's the um, number one driver. This is very well documented. It's the number one driver of the shortening of telomeres. Oh. And um, there was this, you know, this is, as we all know, it's very hard to do medical studies on humans. Uh, but they have been doing a longitudinal, uh, you know, double blind uh, uh, study uh, in uh, in England paid by the taxpayers, so it's got kind of uh, as high quality medical research as you can get. Uh, following these people over years, turns out the number one risk of uh, early deaths with cardiovascular disease in the UK. This is called the Whitehall study, it's a very famous study, and <laughs> turns out cortisol was number one ahead of uh, obesity, ahead of smoking. Wow. Wow. Mic drop. <laughs> That's amazing. It's everywhere. That is one of the things that, that made me sort of chuckle when you, I, again, I've read or heard you say, you didn't have to do any clinical studies. You didn't have to do any research because there's thousands of studies out there on cortisol. But somehow you have, with your giant vision thing that you have, you have seen this begin to gather the patterns and now we have something that soon 
hopefully, we will see be able to measure ourselves. But just seems to be a key to so many beneficial results of of information. And again, back to this is what we do here is talk about people taking care of themselves. What a phenomenal tool to add to our quiver of probiotics and and many other beneficial things of using this to to have an observable thing that's right there easy to do that's mind-blowing thank you so much that's great (laughs) you're welcome yeah it's an exciting topic and as you know it's partly you know we're, we're helping people with the tests and the technology but that's only half of the story the other half of the story is that the word needs to get out uh, with all those thousands and, and you know over a million studies that have been done on cortisol that just haven't seen the light of day. That's amazing and annoying. Why don't? Why not? I'd much rather hear about that than any other number of things that we could talk about. Um, so that's really great. Well, thank you so much, Viva. That this has been even more mind blowing than I was prepared for. Just reading the material and studying for it was mind blowing, but then you pulling it all together is really awesome. Pleasure was mine. Thank Thank you you very much. Thank you. All right, everybody. Have a great rest of the weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. No, this is something where we find it's it's really about oh, yeah, it's not. really about the passion of the people. Right. Uh, the um it's less so Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus